0: All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller & Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours, talking sports with you, localizing it wherever we can. Busy program coming up today. Going to do a lot on Indiana and Iowa. Tonight's Big Ten, I don't know, you want to call it feature matchup? I don't think that's unfair. Trent Condon or overhyping this game tonight in nope. Indiana. Uh, who finally righted their ship boy you know what it's it's more than just the losing streak its, yes, there was Michigan and there was Michigan state and Purdue. But there were some, yeesh. <laughs> I mean, uh, Rutgers shows up in there. Nebraska shows up in there. Some head-scratching losses, but Archie Miller's squad finally uh, was able to put one in the win column against Michigan State in East Lansing, as we saw last time they took the floor. The Hawks coming off an impressive win in their own right, and they will do battle tonight in Bloomington. ESPN, the mothership has it. If you can't watch it, you can listen to it down the hall from us at 1040-WHO pregame 7. They will tip at 8 or or at least that's what it's slated to tip. Uh, there's a Big Ten game that precedes it, so hopefully that'll be over in time. Uh, but if it is, it shouldn't be too far after that. So we'll do that. Zach Osterman covers the Hoosiers for the Indianapolis Star, a paper that employs Greg Doyle, who I think is one of the best columnists, not only sports, um, he, does, he does life stories as, as much as anything. Sure, yeah. You know, the Tyler Trent thing, he was all over. They became very good friends. Um, he's a great, great writer. You can, you can, uh, you can really see the, uh, the human side of Doyle in a lot of his pieces. Look, he's, he's got a, um, when he when he has to criticize, he's not scared to do so. He's he's one of those columnists that you, uh, you that you're going to hate him or love him after you read his work. And uh, although we don't have him today, we have one of his colleagues, Zach Osterman. So we'll do Indiana perspective Big Ten as well with him coming up at about ten twenty five. Shelby Mast uh, is going to join us in his weekly spot, albeit a couple of days late. Uh, BracketWag dot com. He's Gannett's bracketologist which includes the Des Moines Register. And as of this morning, his bracket posted at 5.35 a.m. He updates it every single day. Uh, He has Iowa State as a 4 in the South. He has Iowa in a 5 in the South, which means if they both get by their respective first-round opponents, if Shelby's right, we will have a round of 32 matchup between the Clones and the Hawks on the surface. Maybe not the best but Trent Condon, that would guarantee one of our squads would be going to the sweet 16. would you sign for that?
1: uh yeah, I think I would the excitement around it I would sign for it with this caveat that it's here in Des Moines that it's, it's here, not going to
2: be
0: it's here in Des Moines yeah. why not well I mean there's not I'm just going by Shelby's bracket well, I would right, love right, I right. would love but to you, have it uh here in Des Moines
1: again Shelby as he calls it this is his wag stands for wild ass guests hmm. He's a pretty good guesser, though. He is. Oh, yeah. He's one of the best year after year. Right. Gannett, I wouldn't think... Yeah, USA Today is not mm. just going to put Anybody. Joe Schmo out there. Right, right. you got to be pretty accomplished, mm-hmm. and Shelby has been. He's He's been in the top ten of the contest. I mean, there's hundreds of bracketologists now, people that put brackets out there, and he's finished in the top ten many, many different mm-hmm. times. But if you, if if we get that, not in San Jose.
0: Which is where he's got it being played. Not even in Tulsa. Or Jacksonville. No, you can't drive to San Jose, Travis. No, not no. at all. You, Columbus, I mean, any of them. You can, you can drive to a bunch of them. San Jose's the one. Well, Jacksonville's a bit of a stretch, too. But anyways, we, we'll see. But uh, point being is right now that's where the seating sits for the two local teams in Shelby's eyes. Hawks a five. Iowa State is a four. Iowa's got a big chance tonight against an Indiana team that's reeling uh, at this moment. I'm anxious to see what that does for them Trent did that does that instantly put them back on the right path uh, that went over Michigan State and East Lansing uh, when we last saw them on the floor, or was that just an anomaly and they're, well, they're not very good I think it's i honestly Trent, I think they're good, and i don't know I have no idea what was behind this they're talented and, and the beginning but of, I don't think they're good no I don't think they're look they're not Michigan. Purdue, Michigan State. You know what? I gotta say something right here. I think you're right about Wisconsin. You said that yesterday. He said, don't sleep on the Badgers Is maybe that one team. And I watched start to finish. And I know one game kind of maybe changes some opinion. But it was on the road, in the mm-hmm. barn. I was really impressed with Wisconsin last night. After ne- they
1: got throttled by Minnesota at home earlier excellent, this year.
0: Excellent point. Yep. Um, neither team really shot it worth a damn. But, nope. um, you know, nice win for Wisconsin. So I wanted to bring that up that you might be right on on uh, on your Badgers
1: And I, ha- I-, I hate it. I absolutely hate hey, That you team yep. is easy to despise. Matt Davidson's such a punk. Mm-hmm. That guy... Mm-hmm.
0: And we've still got two you know, more years dealing with him. Do you I, see what he did to Murphy? I did try to take the legs off from uh-huh. under him. I did see that. You know, I, Jordan Murphy's one of my, uh, look, I don't have favorites. He's fun to watch. He's fun to watch, yes. yes. I'm with you, yes. I like watching him play basketball. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm not going to go up by Jordan Murphy anything. Well, I have the line A. Um, But maybe I'd like to sell that. A t-shirt jersey? You're, yeah, You're not, you're not going yeah. up to the barn and getting no, yourself one of those? No, no, not going to do that. Not going to do that. But I like watching the kid play. Coffee mm-hmm. didn't play very well last night. Uh, Wisconsin, boy, Hap's a nice player, huh? He just... Yeah. Now, other than the free throws... Which is going to be a problem at some point, you mm-hmm. would have to guess. Yeah, I agree with you. Because you have to have them on the floor. It's not like mm-hmm. you can take them off the floor. Yeah. At the end of the game to try and, because you know that they're going to try and, you know, on an inbounds play, he's going to be the one guy that's open. And Michigan got in trouble in their first loss of the season for the Wolverines,
1: trying to foul him. Yeah. You can't just grab In Madison, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. watch that game. It was a Saturday afternoon, I believe. Yes. It was on the weekend, anyways. Uh, watched, also watched last night, and I know you had wrestling, so that mm-hmm. pre- prevented you from being in front of your screen to watch the early game. Boy, the Tim Miles era uh, is over in Nebraska. It really is. This is a team, and Miles was he got a little emotional following the game in his in his post game press conference. He feels for the kids, you know, sure. and I get that. It's, it's looking Bill way. Looking Bill is going to join us at eleven fifteen. Pointed out, you think these coaches don't care? Um, it's what what had so much promise. I thought early in the year. I didn't think they were Michigan or Michigan State good, but I clearly thought Nebraska belonged on that next level. The loss of Copeland is just a, a killer. Palmer has not had a good year; he just hasn't. I thought he was going to take a significant step. Roby was great last night, but he's too inconsistent. Uh, Glenn Watson never made a shot. I don't think. I don't think he made a shot, Trent. He didn't. That's he was trouble. For 10. That's trouble. Over ten. You know, I wondered why Sippel went out of his way because I watched the first. I watched a lot of that game watched the first half for sure uh-huh. Start, I didn't I didn't flip the channel then I watched Baylor uh Baylor in Texas over on the Longhorn network just because I only watched the Longhorn Network twice a year and I wanted to get a little cash out of it mm-hmm. um watched the Iowa State Texas game and then the uh, last night's basketball game where Texas just I mean they took it to them right from the outset Texas is in this thing oh no they- I don't think they're in this thing like k State and Iowa State are in this thing but I think Texas is now watch out for this team. They're gonna pick somebody off. Not
1: a matchup you wanna see. If you're if you're in that seven to ten seed range, mm-hmm. you don't want to see Texas on the opposite side no. of you.
0: And Iowa State still gotta go there. Yes, they do. They've still gotta go there and they fancy themselves and they are. They don't fancy and everybody should fancy themselves, uh, when you look at that team as a legit threat to win the conference, not the tournament, the conference. They can win that, but they gotta to go to Austin. That's not gonna be easy. I still think it comes down to a week from Saturday in Manhattan. That to I'm me, I'm not buying. I'm I know not buying. you're not. I'm not buying. You're going to come around at one point, and you're going to say at, we're going to start. Yeah, I got to interrupt you, Ken. Boy, oh boy! After Remember they're a math- weeks mathematically
1: ago? eliminated, then I will cross Kansas off. Until then, I know you just won't. And, go and you know what? It's not Kansas State. It's Iowa State. Iowa State's the team. It's one of those two. No, it's Iowa State. It's either Iowa State or Kansas. Kansas State's not winning this league. I wouldn't Maybe be surprised. Maybe a share. They're not winning it outright. There are two teams in my mind that can win the Big Twelve mm-hmm. outright. It's Iowa State and mm-hmm. it's Kansas. That's it. You got it. one right. It's not Baylor. You are trying to sell me on that. No. Nope, nope. We saw them last yeah, night. Yeah,
0: Baylor. Baylor was, uh, they were manhandled. And look, Trent, that was never a game. Never a game. I mean, Texas came out. that just magnifies, A, it's hard to win on the road, but it magnifies, sure. that was a nice win Saturday for Iowa State over a hungry Texas team. That is playing better. Yes. And they're almost, you hate to use the cliche, kind of backed into a... Now they're up against it, Trent. They've got to. They had to turn the corner, and they did so last night. Had a chance to do so in Ames on Saturday, didn't get it done.
1: You know, one thing I forgot to mention Monday when we were talking about that game. It's good to see Matt Coleman back out on
0: the floor for Texas. Yes, nice player, Trent. Who I saw he played well last night. He had a really good first half. Now I didn't. It was such a. It was 15 at halftime, so I got to Minnesota and Wisconsin. And never went back to the Longhorn Network. I don't think. I don't yeah. think I flipped back once. Um, I enjoyed the Big Ten tilt. I really did. It was compelling. It, it was, was.
1: It was Big Ten basketball. Yes. Slugfest, it was ugly, It was physical,
0: Trent. Physical. Yeah, how about this little stat? I'm pretty sure this was the game. Wisconsin. Yes, this was the game. This was last night. You know when Wisconsin's first foul came? First foul against them came. Well, it was in the point? second
1: half. There
0: was four seconds left in the first Oh, half. there was four seconds left. Four seconds left. They went 19 minutes and 56 seconds without committing a foul. That's a joke. That's a bigger
1: joke than the end-of-the-game situations we've had. Ooh, we had another one yesterday. If you're calling a Wisconsin basketball game and you go 19-plus minutes without calling a foul, you're doing a bad job. Mm-hmm. The way that they play, there is no way, right. no way that Michigan State Wisconsin, that teams that played that clutch and grab style yeah, yeah. should go 19 plus minutes without a foul call. Them. I, I was That's blown a away. Joke.
0: I was blown away, and then they, you know, they they had fouls to give, so they tried to give them all in that four seconds and uh, kind of uh, built up that number. But no, I was stunned by that. Stunned by that uh, as as the game was unfolding. So help me out with this one because I did not watch Creighton and Villanova last night. I yep. know that you did. You had a. You mentioned yesterday that that was one of the games that was going to be on the games that you're going to play. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, we had another Oklahoma-Iowa State game-ending situation. Was it as as egregious as what we saw this past, when was it, Monday night? Yeah, that Monday, was Monday night. night. Yes. Uh, was it as bad, or help me out because I didn't see it.
1: This was worse. It was worse. This was worse. That one was bang, bang. This was...
0: Although, you know what, bang, bang, you said right off the bat that he didn't get done. You could tell right away that he didn't get the shot off.
1: This, for as bad as that was, this was egregious. This was an error that I don't know how can be allowed. Three quarters of a second, maybe? If if that was a quarter of a second, the Monday Mm -hmm. Iowa State game, Mm -hmm. this was three quarters of a second. Mm -hmm. It was in his hand well after the horn. Everything's lighting up. It was a runner. They just let it count. Now, I was fine. I had... The Blue Jays plus nine and a half. So I was, oh, nice. I was good, but for my fellow degenerates out there that had that nine number or, God forbid, eight and a half, uh-huh. pins and needles there. And uh, depending on what side, you walked away a winner. So this leads to the conversation when we have wide ranging gambling across mm-hmm. the country. Took a step forward in Iowa yesterday. I'll get to that in a second. What changes, if anything, because. Gambling is still legalized, right? Y- yes. I mean, it's been in legalized in Nevada yes, forever. Yes, yes. So, though the component is different as it becomes more it's widespread. It's
0: expanding the footprint to numerous states throughout the country.
1: There are still bad beats. If you are in Vegas... Yeah, you're, but that's you're,
0: not a bad beat. That's a... that's an a, error. Yeah, it's an error, right? It's an official's error. That... I, I know. Yes, I guess it's a bad beat technically, right? Mm-hmm. But it's an officiating error that precipitated the bad beat. That should be a category in and of itself. Um, but what's going to change? And look, do you uh, want officials
1: after a game?
0: Yes. To sit and go back I don't to the want, monitor, and I don't want them to leave the floor to do it. I don't want them to leave the floor. I don't want them to come out a half an hour later, because I think once the game goes final and it's official, I'm gonna. You know, you can run to your window, or yeah. if you're betting on you're betting on your mobile device, your account is going to be um, added to. Yeah, funded, or you know, your winnings are going to be placed in your account instantly. Yeah, uh, you, you have to do it right away. The leaks were in this, uh, in Des Moines yesterday, or at least the their lobbyist, guy by okay. the name of Chris Rance, and I know that name, right? Isn't he wasn't he didn't he <laughs> I thought he was I don't know. I know I've heard his Chris name. Chris Rance? Rance. I think Rance. it's Rance. R A N T S Rance. Chris Rance. Okay. Well anyways the the entities that want to be players in sports wagering in Iowa met with one of the committees yesterday. Now, they're going to meet another committee again today. But there were some pitches being made. The lottery made one yesterday. I kind yeah. of got a chuckle out of the lottery. Let me read you their line as to why they should be... Um, Allowed in. Uh, yeah, they should be the ones that look after this. Just real quick. Um Lottery of officials said they bring to the table experience in gambling, employing regulations and safeguards. You won that one for a while, Lady Tipton.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, we I mean, all make mistakes. Well, yeah, that's egregious. Yes. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, I guess it happens, right? I guess, but I mean, was their nose grown when they were making their presentation when that line came out? <laughs> Look, they have all the right in the world to be in it. I, yeah, I hope yeah. they are. They're, they're, their lottery terminals are everywhere. The more, the merrier, I say. Yes. And and what we first brought you a month ago when we told you that we had a little inside information, mm-hmm. the retail stores, both big and small, now there was no names given, but the retail, big and small, were, were given yesterday. It's Casey's and it's High V that want to participate in this. And that they would do through the lottery. And, and I hope they get that opportunity to do so. Um but here's the one. Here's the one group that I don't understand. I get the casinos. It should be the casinos that are doing this. Makes sense. It's the 19 brick and mortar casinos. Yeah. You go there. You fund your account. That opens the door to you being able to wager on your mobile device, and you don't have to go back there again. But why are the why are the Horsemen Association of Iowa? What the hell business do they have in sports wagering? What in the? And I'm you know I'm going to reach out to the guy who I know a little bit. His name is John Moss. I, I want to know why they think they should be involved. Well, it's pretty simple. What? Well, of course, it's money. Yeah. But why do? Why do the horsemen? Who? Let's be honest here. They got a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. They got a really sweet deal. I mean, if they were doing this based on purses alone, they, uh, based on handle and horse racing. Yeah. There would be no horse racing in Iowa. There just wouldn't. Because the money isn't there. Correct. There's not enough wagering on horses, to make it possible for. You know, horse racing to sustain itself. However, having said that, if it wasn't for horse racing and the horsemen, the casinos would not have been allowed to get off the ground with the uh, with the casino games that now are prevalent throughout the entire state. That's a fact. And it certainly affected Prairie Meadows. Because, as you know, if you think back in history here to the late 90s, the late 90s, early 90s, when Prairie closed the first time in 1991, which, you know, to personalize a little bit, that's what took me to Colorado, right? Right. There's no horse racing here in Des Moines, so I got a, I went, moved to Denver, and there wasn't sports talk radio yet. No, but there wasn't Denver, and that's where I heard it for the first time. And honestly, not not honestly, but um, I wanted to say this early in the week. Now nah, you know what? Nobody cares about it. the guy. One of the first guys I ever listened to because I'd never heard of sports talk radio until I moved to Denver. I mm-hmm. thought, wow, this kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a show was called Irvin Joe. And there are two guys, I think probably my age, in the afternoon. Uh And Irv died this weekend. Yeah, Um, but uh, yeah, had a long career. I mean, a long, long one of the, you know, the real icon in Denver. um, Died this past week. Anyways, um, but I heard the format for the first time there. But I don't understand. Back to my point here. In 1991, the the track closes. 1992, 93, 94. Behind the scenes. The horse people are lobbying for slots at the track. We know what happened. We know what, obviously, that, that, that the uh, Prairie Meadows is now meant to Polk County in general and the millions of dollars that have been generated. And here's the fact, Jack, if it wasn't for the horsemen, we wouldn't have this. But you know what? Enough's enough. You're looked after. You get to run all summer long. You get good purse money. I know that the economics, the statewide economics, I've seen all the studies. They're right. They do support a lot of industries, a lot of people, you know, make make money off of that. But, um, I don't understand why they think that they should be able to get their hands on some of the sports wagering. Too
1: many hands in the cookie chop. Yeah, it
0: has to be one. There, there has to be unity in this thing. Can I get a
1: lobbyist? I'm looking at Chris Rance here.
0: What? He is, tell me his story, because he's local, right? He is. I yep. know I've read about him in the paper. I don't remember why.
1: He, uh, House of Representatives here in Iowa from 93 through 2010. Uh, had a caller say that he believed he ran for governor a few years back. Okay. Obviously unsuccessfully, but Speaker of the House of Representatives from 03 to 06. So he's been involved for a long time in politics here. And Not that it matters. Do you know if he's a D or an R? I mean, it's. Uh, Republican. Republican, yeah. okay. He, uh,. But he has worked for some pretty uh lobbied for some pretty big organizations. Wait, wait, give me his resume. Amazon, uh State Police Officers Council, mm-hmm. Dish Network, PGA Tour, Major League Baseball, the NBA, DraftKings and FanDuel. Well, you
0: know what that is. Those are those are the ones that he's representing right now. Right. And I guess uh, part of part of this is is going to pave the way for fantasy sports to be legal in Iowa. Which, Which why would you do that anymore? I mean seriously. Will you Would you rather bet a game or bet a fantasy game? Why can't I do both? Like, Of course you can. <laughs> but if... I, say, I, I, I honestly think that this would... This is going to... I mean, does anybody care about fantasy? If yeah. you can bet yeah. sports? Yeah. They fantasy- do care? Yes. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. Okay.
1: Fantasy sports will still be popular. Will they? This, this is not going to be a death knell mm-hmm. for fantasy sports because fantasy sports is a different avenue. Right. Hey, horse racing has an avenue and yep. sports wagering has an yep. avenue. Fantasy sports okay. has an avenue. All right. It's not going to kill it. It's not going to be the end of the industry. I've been playing fantasy sports since I was in fourth grade, yeah, 1989. But,
0: but not FanDuel or DraftKings type of fantasy sure. sports, though. Not daily fantasy sports. But it's just another way to bet. Mm-hmm. I'm in. And
1: now I'll have my account for both Prairie Meadows and for Wild Rose. Yep. i have a couple accounts there yep. and I'll have my FanDuel and, uh,
0: and my wife will yell at me a few times. You yeah. know. Too many accounts. Yeah, you do. Uh, Zach Osterman covers the Hoosiers. There's a sports wagering update for the day, but it is moving forward, and today's another busy day. But Chris Rance, as you mentioned, going down that, uh, mm-hmm. he's representing the NBA, he's representing MLB, he's representing the PGA. They all want a piece of this. I don't get it. Integrity fee. An, an integrity fee. They Where, was to integrity sell yeah, Where was the integrity last night? Yeah, really. There was, there was no integrity, right? Yeah, there, there wasn't Monday night either. No. Something's got to be done, and I don't know who's going to be responsible for policing that, but someone has to. Um, those aren't bad beats. Those are errors. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Zach Osterman, Indianapolis star on the Hoosiers and the Big Ten from his perspective. Shelby, mass, bracket, coming up. Wade, looking Bill, former Hawkeye, will help us out with tonight's Indiana-Iowa tilt, and then we're going to talk some baseball. And I'm looking forward to this baseball conversation because there's baseball in the air. A lot of people talking about this, and why wouldn't they be? Matt Snyder from CBS will slide on in here. Are you kidding me? It was the same ref in both games. No way. I missed. Jeff that. Johnson just reached out to me on Twitter. No, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> The guy that did the Iowa State Oklahoma finish had a hand last night at Georgetown Villanova integrity fee. That's a bad week. Look, look, he's not, he's not on the take. Don't, don't. I, I don't want anyone to think that that's what I'm even in the slightest uh, alluding to because I'm not. But man, oh man, it's a bad look. What's his rush? I mean, I get it with like me when I get off the air at noon. I am yes, right, yes. But these guys would it kill you to stick around to make sure that you got the final seconds of the game right? People are betting on this. People are losing money, right? Where's it going at? Where's this guy's? Where is he going at nine o'clock or ten o'clock in the east? And there's people that put substantial money on these things. Yes, uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll head to Indianapolis next. Zach Osterman, Indianapolis Star. Uh, Roger Ayer is apparently the official. Thank you, Jeff Johnson, for sending that to us. We'll take a timeout. Miller and Condon continue. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook, people. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. Condon Des Moines Sports Nation 1460 KXNO. Let's talk some Indiana, Iowa. Zach Osterman, uh, Indianapolis star. Terrific paper this week. Can read Greg Doyle, or read Zach Osterman. A lot of talent over there. Uh, Zach, Trent Condon, Ken Millen. Thanks for coming on. How are you, Zach? Are you there? Can you hear me? Ah, loud and clear. There you are. Good to talk to you, and thank you for giving us uh, some time here today. Yeah, I guess we should start with uh, Juwan Morgan, who looked as though when he left the floor the other day um, in that win over Michigan State in East Lansing that may miss a may miss a chunk of time, including tonight's game. But the word we're getting is he's practicing. What can you tell us about Morgan's status for tonight, if anything, Zach?
3: Yeah, unless something's changed since we talked to Archie Miller pre-practice yesterday, um, he's playing tonight. Um, There was fear that, and I don't know if Iowa fans uh, remember this part back into Juwan Morgan's career, but there was fear that it it might be something similar to a shoulder problem that he had his freshman year when basically it just sort of kept popping out of its socket, he'd Play it would pop out. He'd come out. They'd pop it back in. He'd play the next game until it popped out again. Um, but he had surgery to correct that problem and hadn't had any recurrence of it until obviously we saw the shoulder injury against Michigan State. So kind of the fear was is this is this the, the same thing popping back up? But what's basically been suggested is that it wasn't quite as bad as initially feared. Um, it was interesting or maybe telling in a way to see Morgan back on Indiana's bench on Saturday night in East Lansing, not playing, not available to return to the game. But also, there was no stabilization mm. on his shoulder, no sling, no brace, nothing like that, which you imagine if they were concerned about serious structural damage, they would at least have done that. So, he's been practicing. It sounds like he's not quite 100%, so that you know that, that shoulder may still be sore, feeling some pain, but unless something's changed, he'll, he'll play tonight.
1: Zach, with the victory on the road against Michigan State, certainly changes, I think, the perception Of a lot of people from the Iowa perspective, this Indiana team, what did it do for the team outside of obviously end a long losing streak? What do you think it means for the Hoosiers that win going forward?
3: Well, I think part of it is doing it without Juwan Morgan. Uh, I don't think that that should be overlooked in terms of just kind of the importance from a a mental perspective and and also maybe kind of the way that Indiana did it, the, the players that really had to step up sophomores and juniors, guys who maybe have, have had kind of hit and miss seasons at different times, guys who, you know, are coming back from injury in Devonte Green's case, coming back mm-hmm. from a three game suspension. Um, in the case of Justin Smith and Al Durham, I think two sophomores have started a lot this season, played a lot this season and really been trying to be leaders more this season. Um, but that's obviously not always the easiest thing in the world to do for a young guy. Um, but, from Indiana's perspective, seeing a lot of those guys step up around Romeo Langford and in Juwan Morgan's absence, I think really made a big difference in terms of the confidence of this team. And and not just when I say confidence, I don't just mean being able to knock down shots or, or anything like that, but the more intangibles, you know, the sort of the belief in the I guess the collective team that maybe had been lost a little bit as guys tried really hard individually to break out of that seven game funk that all of a sudden maybe a lot of that's been wiped away, but, you know that said, it's only one win, and Indiana's still got some work to do if it really wants to reconstruct
0: this season. Uh, Zach Osterman is our guest, Indianapolis Star. Zach, help me out with that seven-game losing streak. Yes, there was a couple of them against Michigan. Who, you know, on any given day, you may think that they're the best team in the conference. Michigan State, we know that they beat them, but they were they lost at Purdue. It's tough to win at Mackey. Maryland's is a much better team. That loss was on the road as well. What went into it? What was behind the seven-game losing streak? Can you pinpoint it?
3: Well, I think there are probably a few things. I mean, number one, there was, I don't want to say bad luck, but a tough schedule. Um, I mean, Indiana went, what was it, uh, 6 of 8 on the road and uh, 7 of 11 uh, to start Big Ten play. And you talk about some of those road games there, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Maryland. um, You know, I mean, these are some of the tougher road trips anybody's going to have in the Big Ten. And for a young team that has been dealing with, serious injury problems basically all season to have to, to restart Big Ten play that way um, was always going to be difficult. I also think there was a little bit of, like I said, sort of a, a spiraling effect that the, the, the longer it went on, the more you felt like you saw guys not necessarily being selfish, but trying way too hard individually um, to, to sort of be the one that, snaps everybody out of it, be the one that ends the, the losing streak, be the one that kind of gets everything fixed. And, you know, it, it's that old sort of quicksand analogy that the harder you fight it, the, the worse it gets. And you sort of felt like you saw that, especially as, again, depth really got depleted. Derron Davis has been out injured. Um, Al Durham has been basically playing with different bumps and bruises. Zach McRoberts has been in and out of the lineup. Devontae Green was suspended. And Indiana still hasn't gotten Ray Thompson back. So you were dealing with just widespread depth concerns while you were also maybe a young roster not really understanding how to handle the losing and how to figure out just, to, again, to sort of buy into the overall plan rather than trying to just individually be the guy that breaks the cycle for Indiana. And obviously, uh, you know, it's a it's a pretty massive system reset to go win in East Lansing to stop that losing mm-hmm. streak. Um, and we'll see if uh, if that's sustainable. But I think that, that Indiana is getting some of that depth back. I think you are seeing some of those young players getting more comfortable in their roles. And so now you have six of nine at home, three of your last four at home. You only play twice in two weeks here after basically playing twice a week for about the first month and a half of the Big Ten season. Um, you have time to get a little rest in guys' legs, and you don't have to go on the road again until Uh, mid-February, I think this is a good stretch for Indiana to try and get right and, like I said, really reset this season.
1: Romeo Langford obviously dominates the headlines out of that freshman class coming in and most anticipate a one-and-done kind of player for him. Want to get your thoughts, though, on the freshman point guard, Rob Finnessy. In fact, I believe since he came back from the concussion, least amount of minutes that he played was in that victory against Michigan State. Him as a point guard, and if he's not out there, what they do at that spot?
3: Yeah, I mean, against Michigan State, he had foul trouble as much as anything else. And that's happened to him a couple of times. Uh, Indiana asked a lot of him defensively. And, you know, like any freshman, every once in a while, that means he gets into some foul trouble. Um, He had a great November and December. I mean, he was a a guy who wasn't ranked as high as the Romeo Langfords and so forth of the world, but was very well respected in the state. Had a really, really good career uh, at a high school up in Lafayette, actually. Um, went to a state title game that he actually lost to Romeo Langford's team as a sophomore, um, was, like a lot of young guys, thrust into a role early for this team because of injuries. Because Devontae Green had a side problem early, early in the season. Zach McRoberts, again, has really never been healthy this year. And so Indiana asked a lot of him early on, and he really stepped up. And he was a big part of the 12-2 and start that Indiana put together from the non-conference season through to uh, the Illinois game in early January. But he also uh, sustained a concussion in one of Indiana's last non-conference games uh, before Christmas in December. And he basically missed three weeks. And I think it was particularly impactful for him because after they played those last two non-conference games on the 19th and the 22nd, they had a, a complete layoff until January 3rd when Illinois came to Bloomington. And, that would have been an ideal time for a freshman point guard who's played a lot of minutes early on to kind of go back in and be able to really, you know, self-examine and um, and, and and work kind of behind the scenes on some more fundamental stuff, some more basic stuff, and really get up to a new level of sort of comfort and confidence. Instead, Finney was just totally shut down through that time, so he's kind of been having to play his way back into form. He, he's got the fitness back in him, you know, his, his legs are back under him but he's kind of having to play his way back into his best form here on the fly. Um, he has looked better since, uh, since coming back, and I think Indiana's offense quietly has made uh, progress since he came back. The question is just can he kind of get back to where he was in November and December this season during kind of the re- relentless pace of the Big Ten. This is an interesting stretch for him as well because, again, Indiana has two home games this week, Thursday and Sunday then has almost a full week off before he plays at Minnesota on Saturday. This is maybe his best chance to do a little bit of that sort of self-examination and, and, and just kind of grow on what he's already achieved this season. If he can do that, I think he could be a really big piece for Indiana the rest of the way.
0: Zach, last thing for you. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, help us out. Uh, give us your take on the on the Big Ten uh, is Michigan the best team you've seen? I know Wisconsin's about the only one at the top of the uh, at the top of the standings you haven't seen in person yet this year. You'll see them in a couple of weeks, but uh, from where you sit, uh, kind of handicap the Big Ten for us.
3: Yeah, I'll be honest. I thought it was Michigan State, um, and and I even left East Lansing on Saturday night thinking it, you know, still still thinking it was maybe Michigan State. Then they go to Illinois, and obviously have a, a pretty disastrous trip mm-hmm. there on Tuesday. You know, it, the way things stand, I'd probably still edge it to Michigan. Um, I'm, I forget if Michigan plays at Purdue. I know that Purdue played at Michigan earlier in the year. Uh, but I'm fascinated by those two Michigan-Michigan State games. at I think it's like both of them. I think they played twice are. in each of their last yep. four games. Um, I'm fascinated to see how those go. I, I, the thing that strikes me about the Big Ten is I don't know that there are any great teams. I think that there are some really good teams that can play great and I would certainly uh, class Michigan and Michigan State both in those, and Michigan in particular, given the experience that they returned from last year, just sort of the muscle memory of how to how to really peak in March and achieve at a high level in March. Um, but I don't know that there's like an elite team in this conference, the way that you classify Duke an elite team, the way that you probably classify Virginia, Tennessee as elite teams. I don't see – Michigan or Michigan state or Purdue or even Wisconsin quite in that, that class. But I think that they're all teams that when you consider the depth they have, the experience they have, and then all of them, other than maybe Michigan having, you know, one bona fide, just absolute star. And I think what Michigan's got instead is three guys, three or four guys that are really close to stardom, but, but maybe a little bit more balanced. Um, I think they can all be dangerous in March. I just don't know that there's one team here that you'd say, wow, that team is is just truly the upper crust elite. I think Michigan's probably the best at this point. They'd be my pick to win the conference from here. Um, but I don't know that there's anybody that I would put next to, like I said, like a Duke or, or a Tennessee.
0: Thanks for helping us out, Zach. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you. Zach Osterman, Indianapolis star. On the Big Ten in Indiana and uh, Iowa tonight, eight o'clock tip. We'll do uh, Shelby Mass, bracketwag.com. We'll go national with uh, Shelby when we continue on here. Wade looking, Bill 1140, 1115, 1120 rather. And then we'll do some baseball. Look forward to catching up uh, with Matt Snyder, CBS. A lot of baseball conversation, rule changes. And how about Kyle Schwarber? If the DH becomes a thing, in 2020. Cap will finally be proven right. <laughs> and I will be proven wrong, because I thought there's no way in hell he's mm-hmm. going to be a Cub for her, his, his entire career. Boy, that would be good for that franchise, having him as their everyday DH. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com. He's the Gannett's Bracketologist. He's with Miller and Condon next on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Polar Plunge. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. It's time to pay your bills with 1460 KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword super to 200, 200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. That's. Today, Thursday? Yeah, it is. Super uh, to 200, 200 right now. Message and data rate supply. It's been a
1: weird week this week. With our Tuesday, we are on oh, just we for a half off. hour. Right,
0: right, right. Now we we'll
1: got start. Shelby on Thursday. We'll be back on Tuesday next week. It's really throwing everything yeah. in.
0: Indeed it is. It's Let's get wild. to Shelby Mast. As we've been talking all week, Shelby has both Iowa and Iowa State colliding in San Jose in a potential second-round matchup, assuming they get out of the first round. He has them in the South. Shelby, Trenton, Kent, thanks for coming on. Uh, appreciate it, as always. We know you updated your latest bracket this morning at 535. Um, Well, let's start with the South and let's start with Iowa State as a 4 and Iowa as a 5 There's nothing preventing that matchup from happening again Uh, I think it would be well received here in the state, I really do For the simple fact that guarantees one of our two needle movers is going to the Sweet 16 How are you and how confident are you in uh, where you have those two schools placed?
2: Uh, as of today, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, things are going to change over the next few weeks, of course. But with everything that's happened up till now, I don't see any reason why both of those schools can't be four and five seed, maybe even vice versa. Uh, and yes, absolutely, that matchup, they can't have a rematch in the second round as long as it's not the first round.
1: With that, Shelby, there's a lot of people wondering about. Potential paths, ways to get there. I want to take a look at each of these teams, though, with you individually. And maybe there's a lot of excitement for both Iowa and Iowa State. I get that. But maybe poke a hole in the resume as they're currently constructed. It will change, obviously, going forward. The one thing I look at at Iowa is their non-conference strength of schedule, 248th. In the day and age now of 20 conference games, does that matter? Does it matter as much as it once did? What we, what do you do when you see Iowa's non-conference strength of schedule at 248?
2: That's going to be something that the committee will discuss. They have fewer non-conference games, so take two conference games away and maybe they play two high mid-majors or two other Power 5 schools and it's not as bad, but then you're replacing what could have been worse games with conference games that are probably going to be better. I don't think they're going to get hurt too terribly bad by that. The committee usually frowns if it's about 275 or worse. Uh, I, I think they could have been better, but I, I think this was kind of supposed to be not really a rebuilding year, but there wasn't too much expected of them. So they really didn't think to schedule too terribly tough, because I, I think expectations were low enough that it, it really didn't seem to matter. And, well, now expectations are kind of through the roof, and they're just hoping. I that's not going to keep them out of the tournament. If they lose the rest of their games, that's not going to be what does it. But that might ding them a seed line possibly
1: let's go to iowa state they uh went out to maui they didn't get the draw maybe they were hoping after they lost to arizona then played illinois and san diego state after that who proved not to be very good is it kind of similar for iowa state where the non-conference strength of schedule could be something that keeps them from being a three seed they're down in that four line something like that is that the hole you'd also poke in iowa state right now Uh,
2: there's just sitting there it's Right around 100. I'm looking at the net right now, it's 120. So that's that's not too terribly bad. That's not going to be something, a sticking point for the committee. Uh, the only way it would be is if it comes down between them and somebody else for the last four seed and that other school has a top 10 non-conference strength to schedule, that could be the thing that holds them back. We're usually 120, then they're not going to blink an eye at that.
0: I want to ask you about Nebraska, who's now lost six straight. They've got to go to Mackey Arena uh, this Saturday, and that's no picnic. Purdue is very, very good, and they're even better at home, seemingly. I know you still have them in, but I have to assume, Shelby, that you have them in by the narrowest of margin. If, indeed, they lose to Purdue, uh, I, my guess is you're probably going to drop them out, or are you, and does it feel like Nebraska's hanging on by a whisker at this point?
2: Yeah, they're hanging on barely right now. I've kept them in mainly because they've got two quad one wins, which is a solid enough number, and they're both road wins, Clemson and Indiana. Having Clemson out of conference is helpful. Uh, their non-conference strength of schedule isn't great. Uh, Net shows it at 237 today, so it's below that 250 mark. They, they, but they, for whatever reason, something ain't working right. They look good. I was projecting them by the end of the year to probably be around a six or seven seed, and now it won't surprise me if they don't make it. What's keeping them in is my lack of other options for teams to put in. Mm. I moved out to North Carolina State last night and put Temple in, and I'm not real comfortable with that. Uh, but I just don't have that many other options left.
0: Uh, and we know that. I mean, nobody knows how this is going to work out. But right now, you have four Big Twelve teams. That you've placed into your, uh, have work to do category. The teams that you listed in red at bracketwag.com. And again, Shelby Mast. Shelby Mast is Gannett's bracketologist. He's with Miller and Condon every Tuesday for the most part, right up and through selection Sunday and then Tuesday afterwards. But Shelby, uh, the four teams, TCU, Texas, uh, Oklahoma and Baylor. Do you feel good about all four of those teams or which team may be in the most precarious spot? Would it be
2: TCU? I think TCU, just because they don't have any solid wins. the, the, the one last night on a buzzer beater against Oklahoma State. That, I mean, they, they prevented a bad loss, mm-hmm. but it wasn't necessarily a good win. They need to beat some of the higher-up teams. Texas is have, has too many losses, but I can't knock them out because they've got so many good wins. Uh, I, they, neither of those teams are firmly in right now. Baylor and Oklahoma a little bit more, but Oklahoma's kind of slumping like they did last year. I think Baylor might be the, the safest of those four schools. But again, Baylor's got some black marks on their resume as well. Two bad home losses that the committee will discuss in depth.
1: Shelby, uh, one thing that really jumped out to me in your bracket in the Midwest region, your number 15 seed from the Missouri Valley Conference, Loyola, Chicago, of course, made that great run a year ago to the Final Four, did it as 11 seed. And we saw. You know, a road win last year against Florida. This is not the same team that it was a year ago. Let's say it's not Loyola, though, that wins it. Or, you know, a, a team here from Iowa, Drake, or you and I, catches lightning on a bottle in St. Louis. Somebody else, is there a realistic path for the MVC maybe to have a number 16 seed out of their automatic? Because it's a mess this year. It
2: is a mess. And I, I wouldn't think they would go that low because some of those teams on my 16 line They've got losing records, and <laughs> they're not going to have any decent wins. Okay, So they have to win their conference tournament, absolutely. Uh, I don't see Missouri Valley falling below the FLAC or the MIAC or any of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they could end up, if the if the highest-ranked 16 seed is a pretty decent school, and Chicago, whoever comes out of the NBC, has a few more losses, double digits, maybe 12 losses, It's possible they could get there. I just don't think the committee would do that because they're a high enough mid-major that I I think the committee would give them a little bit of credit for what they've done in the past.
1: I'm trying to think of the last time the MVC... You and I was a 14 one year when they won the conference tournament early in the McDermott years. It's been a long time, though, since they were on the
0: 15. I don't remember either. Shelby, I got two more for you. What would an Indiana win over Iowa do tonight for Indiana? I know they're still, they've still got some work to do. They were, they had that seven game losing streak. They stopped it of all places in East Lansing, an improbable victory with Morgan not on the floor. What would an Indiana win do? You have them on the 10 line right now. Uh, win over Iowa tonight does what?
2: Possibly moves them to the nine. That's a home game. You're supposed to win the home games against non-elite teams, and I'm not sure Iowa is considered elite. Right? Yet. Yep. A very, very good team, but not elite. So this is a game that they probably should win. Now, if you lose that, it's not going to ding you too bad because Iowa is a good team. But I think a win helps. It stops the bleeding a little bit more but it doesn't shoot them up the bracket by any means.
0: And last thing for you, your one line, you have a couple of a- ACC's and a couple of SEC's, Duke, Virginia, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Of course, Saturday night, 5 o'clock, all eyes on Duke and Virginia, the rematch uh, in Virginia uh, this time. Uh, best two teams in college basketball right now, better than Tennessee, and uh, what what does the outcome of that game do, if anything?
2: I don't think it does anything, really. Because that's, I mean, going to Virginia, there's no shame in Duke losing that. I don't think there's any shame in Virginia losing at home to Duke. If this was North Carolina State, there's a lot of shame in that. But to Duke, no way. Uh, I think these are probably the two best teams. As of right now, Tennessee is still my overall number one. It's going to be tough to knock them down mm-hmm. without them losing or now, if Duke goes to Virginia and beats them by 20, not going to happen. If that were to happen, Duke would move to my overall number one, but it really wouldn't change things because they're still in the east and Tennessee in the south and Virginia in the midwest.
0: We will talk to you after a weekend of college basketball and a big Monday and some things could change at that point. Shelby, we'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Thank you for what you do for us. We appreciate it, Shelby Mast.
2: Glad to do it. Thanks for having me.
0: Guys. Thank you, Shelby Mast. Gannett, bracketologist, for Gannett, bracketwag.com, bracketwag.com. He updates it each and every day. San Jose. Going? Get in Des Moines. Love it. Tulsa
1: I can drive to.
0: Tulsa you can. Will you? Oh, i drive for that. You know, we're supposed to be down at, uh, what's the name of the place? We're Buzzard supposed- Billies. Buzzard Billies. I might be solo, you're telling me. Well. 11 o'clock hour next, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO.